This is a Forwardly podcast. Dateline, Hollywood, California. There are eight million stories in the naked city. Why is it that Tinseltown can't seem to tell those stories worth a damn? Never fear, dear listeners. There is a cure for this condition. Is there a doctor in the house? In fact, there's two. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Hollywood RX. The doctors are indelible. Try as you might. We just don't come out. By we, of course, I mean my ever-indelible colleague, Dr. D. How are you, Dr. D? I am dizzy. Wow. <laughs> uh, with the, uh, with uh, all of the colors and emotions that are swirling in my head from the movies we're going to be discussing tonight. Wow. How are you, Dr. D? I'm doing okay. Uh, boy, I guess we can... I guess we already know where you stand on one of these movies. <laughs> At least one of these movies. Well, maybe. At least one. Maybe you don't. Anyway, I, yeah. I'm not going to try to be coy. We don't have time for that. Uh, no, we don't. <clears throat> this is, uh, as you probably know, dear listeners, this is the second of our Oscar buzz double feature two-in-one special. Tonight we cover <laughs> Coda and West Side Story. Dr. D, do you want to start us off on Coda? Should I start us off on Coda? You know what? I'll jump in with just a <clears throat> with just a quick take. I thought this was a winning film. I was engaged by it from the start. I found the characters compelling and interesting and I have a bunch of other nice things I'm going to say about it later. Fascinating. How about Fascinating. you? <laughs> well, that's a generous description of what I just Well, said. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, you know, folks, <laughs> you know, in, uh, oh, no. in this day and age, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's pretty hard not to be cynical. Uh, you wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and you realize, hey, today's going to be worse than yesterday. <laughs> You know, and then, uh, you know, moly, and, that's and then you hear about, you know, some movie that's supposed to be all that. And you're like, yeah, yeah, OK, yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, so I sat down with Coda. And 10 minutes into it, I'm like, oh, look at this 430 movie, this after school special. This is going to hit all oh. the scenes that I think it's going to hit. And. Uh, but okay, I'll sit and watch it. And gosh darn it, if I didn't love every moment of this movie <laughs> and even teared up at the end. Yes! Yes! Oh my God. Well, then this is going to be, I thought you were going to come in. You did a very good job of fooling <laughs> you. I thought we were going to be throwing punches oh, today on this. No. I no, I wanted to I I wanted to set you up like that. <laughs> no, I uh I, I was really kind of amazed. You know, I love this the, the the whole setup. It's one of these movies where it's like, you know, there the scenes that you expect to come up 
mm-hmm. but they're in this movie loaded in a way that they usually aren't with these kind yeah. of uh, finding your voice movies. I guess that's the name of the genre because that's right. where whoever, whoever I can't remember where I streamed it now, but that's where they've got it. Oh, it was on Disney or an Apple, oh, in Apple TV. Yes, the genre is called Apple, Finding Your Voice, finding which is voice. just well, I mean is... that's that's like kryptonite to me. I don't I don't go to Finding Your Voice movies, <laughs> right? But, and it's almost too literal a category for it because yeah. she is well, you know, yes, yes, exactly. So quick takes done. Then we can we can really we can really dig in. Yeah, from. From the very start, with her singing on the boat, I mean, I just feel like that's the perfect way to start the movie. She's on the boat, she's singing. You come to realize that this is a, you know, probably a father and a brother and a sister, and they're fishermen, and two of them are deaf, and she is. It's, not. I mean, it's and, hard to, and, to not walk into this movie knowing what it's about, right? So they don't they don't spend a whole is, lot of time I, in the beginning with. You know, the, uh, a divergent setup that we're, we're going to be surprised that they're deaf on the boat. You know, right, right. And and I and I think like even if you don't know, coming in, it lays it all out for you. Just, just the yes. Way it if you be. come in not knowing anything, it it does a very clean and economic job of yes. establishing yeah. what's happening here. And kind of. Gr- graceful i just yeah. feel like the scenes are all there's a grace the, to the right the, length a grace to almost every yeah. scene in this movie i feel like yeah i but i you know i love this premise that oh of course she can only sing when no one can hear her right it just right. and that and that they and don't yeah, know what that music a is sort of a, you know like a heartbreaking sort of a uh, perfect terribleness to this idea that the thing that she loves to do is not something they can appreciate doing or even see the worth in it. Yeah. Yeah. Or even see the worth in it. The mother's like, what's the point? And, and, and Um, it's, and that's handled beautifully in this. It's never got heavy handed ever. Not at all. Not at all. So, and and then, so we go from that scene and they're at the dock and you realize they're a bit of a fisher fishing community. I'm not going to go through scene by scene, but I'm just going to the first couple. And then she goes to school and she's falling asleep in class. So, you know, there's another, like, here you're getting, you're just getting every scene, you just get a little bit more and a little bit more. And then she's at the doctor's with her parents. And she's there to interpret for them with the doctor. And her father is having a problem with his balls. Uh, Some sort of a rash or whatever it is. And so he's doing all of these incredible hand gestures, and she's forced to describe what he's gesturing to a doctor who looks as mortified as he should the appropriate amount of mortification and then it turns out that the mom has the same thing and it's just this sort of it's it's beautiful and funny and sweet and terrible and you go this young they're the those two parents are putting this young woman in a in a very awkward and uncomfortable position yeah and and they have been for years. It's so it, it's so part of the fabric of the family, the DNA of how it all works in their household, that you're not even sure to what extent they're even aware of how uncomfortable it is for them to her to talk about their sex life. And then it ends with a really nice, you know, series of jokes where the doctor says that he can't have 
sex for two weeks while they're using the ointment and she tells her parents you have to stop sex having all sex together, forever right. they're like all yeah, together fantastic. and then she's like all right two weeks and they're like two oh no weeks. way no can't do it no that's still like way over the still... over the limit yeah. yeah no i love that and that guy playing the dad is fantastic troy kotzer yeah i just thought he was um i thought he was tremendous he was tremendous uh he just absolutely felt like he was a, a deaf fisherman. I mean, he so, he so slotted himself into that world. Just the right amount of hair. His, his signing oh, he, was he so... He like he belonged on that boat. You know, he's, oh, he absolutely. says at one point, he, he says, my father was a fisherman and his father before him. Yeah. And, you know, you get it. He really lived this, this, yeah. this, this role. Yeah. I always look out for that when they have... When, when actors are doing uh, a, a skill or a trade that's, you know, right. I always kind of pay attention to how are they handling things? Did they, did they really right. do the work and, and get used to it? Because they're playing someone who's been doing it for years and it's second nature. All three of them on the boat, like, like they belong there. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'd read somewhere and take it with a grain of salt, but um, uh, she, she studied nine months of signing. signing of singing and boat work. So I'm guessing that they all had, I mean, the deaf actors didn't need the signing, but um, they probably definitely had months and months of just go out and do it. And so that it's all second nature and you, yeah, just, uh, I just love that the way it starts. Then we're at there, we're at her house and she's got to do homework and all of the, the three other family members who are all deaf are all making a bunch of noise in their own way doing their own thing the father yeah. is scraping a grail and the whatever it is and it's just impossible on her and you just get reinforced this sense that they are unaware the deaf family members are unaware of how much of how they are affecting right. her or they're intruding on her and it was at that point in the um I mean, the, the, the mother does complain that the daughter is wearing earbuds and she goes, look, I have the earbuds in because you guys are so noisy. And I feel like that conversation would have happened the day before or the day before that or the day before that. And that seemed like an, uh, uh, not a very genuine. Oh, I disagree. Organic moment. I disagree. Because, oh, really? Well, yeah, because as I recall it, the way the mother, Marley Matlin, who's fantastic as usual, yeah. she just well, says, take those, you know, take off those headphones. It's rude. And which is. Definitely something you, a parent would repeat themselves saying uh, okay. on repeat offenses. It's later at dinner when uh, Ruby says, how hmm. is Tinder okay at the table, but music is rude? <laughs> yeah. And Marley the, Madeline beautifully explains, because Tinder is something we can all do together as a family. Right. The, the son is showing the, the mother, you know, should I slide, swipe left or right? You know, and the father, they're all joining in on his... Weighing in on, on his, his, uh, his Tinder picks. His hunt. Yeah. Oh, I love that line. That was the first line I have in my notes uh, about... It was the mother's line about Tinder. We can do it as a family. The dad with his fart jokes. But it was by this scene is where I... Uh, my note says this is well on its way to becoming one of my favorite films of this year. I was already fully fully uh hooked in so i don't i don't even really know necessarily where the act breaks are in this i'm sure if i sat down and gave it a lot of thought i could come up with it but um first act well i think the first act 
the first act turning point would be when she joins the choir. Mm-hmm. Not sure what the third yeah, act Yeah, I think be. that's... Maybe, oh, I think the third act is probably when they lose the license and she's kind of yeah. allowing herself to be... to, to, to continue being the, the, the crutch they lean on. Right. You know, as long as we're quoting the mother. So, yeah, she joins. We, we meet her best friend, her best friend who seems to be... Uh, Sexually experimenting with boys quite a bit. Uh, healthy libidinous. Um, healthy. Libidinous team. Uh, I think, yeah. Yes. And she's interested uh, in the brother. And there's a little bit of a, yes. a tension between the friends there. I love the line where she says, does he work out or are those fishing muscles? <laughs> yeah. Um, but so I also love the payoff at the end of that scene where she's, she thinks she's telling him like, hey, let's get it on. Or, hey, you're so hot. And he's right. like, so She just told me she had herpes. Right, because uh, yeah, I, because the young fr- she taught her the, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. well, you know, that, that's one thing that was taught her the wrong that sign. made it very easy to to be wooed over by the charm of this movie is by having the Ruby's character be mischievous with yeah. with, with yeah. translating literally translating and figuratively translating. Emilia Jones was, right. was really fantastic in this. I thought she was terrific. Have you seen her before in anything? I don't know that I remember seeing her before. Do you no. do you know her from nope. other work? Nope. Only person in this movie Ruby I've Rossi. seen before is Marley Matlin. I agree. I kept finding the singing teacher very You know, that's really funny because uh, my wife and I thought that too. But I looked up his credits and I was like, nope, I definitely haven't seen any of those. He just reminded me of a bunch of other actors. So I kept yelling out to my wife. I kept yelling out names of people who could have played the part. None of which I can think of at the moment. I was thinking there was like a real, (laughs) well, as usual, I'm not going to remember anybody's names. Uh, so I'm not going to bother. I'm looking at her IMDb. Lock and Key is a series that she did like a, a, a young person adventure series and which I've seen one episode of her of. So I would have seen her in it, but it doesn't look like she's pirates of the Caribbean on stranger tides. And it just says English girl. So yeah, there's nothing. Hmm. She might as well be, might as well be introducing Amelia Jones as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> <laughs> which is not saying much about me, nothing about her. Um, there were a couple other lines that jumped out at yeah. me. Well, so she she signs up for music and she's very hesitant. She sings signs up, on get the it? boat and she sings. Oh yes, yeah, signs up. That's what they should have called this movie. Signs up. So she signs up for the core, uh, choir so she can sort of be near this boy, but also because she has this interest in music and it's hard to tell which is motivating her more. And then she she leaves before it's her turn to sort of. Uh, sing for the teacher so that he can figure out what you know whether she's an alto or soprano whatever her thing is going to be and she turns around and runs away so when she turns around and walks away right because of my own life experience where i walked out of my own life experience i had run out of an audition once when i was younger than her yeah so i was like fully fully locked in at that point and then she has that conversation with her mom where where the mom is not being accepting of the idea that the daughter wants to sing she's like oh you're a and teenager. she says if i were blind if i if i were blind would you paint yeah, right would you want to paint yeah i got so i was so mad wow. at at 
Marley Matlin's character, <laughs> Jackie Rossi, because of how sort of stubborn she was and dug in, and she wasn't necessarily being mean, but she wasn't being nice. And I wasn't comfortable with the degree to which I was angry at Marley Matlin <laughs> or at the character. Hmm. But I was reminded at that at that point in the story, I started having sort of late uh, ladybird flashbacks this movie may owe its existence to ladybird oh interesting okay that ladybird sort of paves the way it's a finding your voice movie too i think so i found myself thinking of uh the granddaddy of finding your voice movies what's eating gilbert grape do you remember that movie with johnny depp i think that's leonardo dicaprio's first feature film yep I do remember it, and I um, know that I saw it. <laughs> More importantly, I it, know it, I saw it's it. Similarly, it, it's less uh, finding your voice movie as it is dealing with feeling trapped by family circumstances that you're never going to be yeah. able to exist without the context of taking care physically of family members. Right, right. Being sort of locked in well that was you see that's one of the things i found really interesting about this movie was how i mean it's a very unusual setup but it's a very non-standard setup here's a family of four three of them are deaf and one of them is sort of in servitude to the others that's sort of very specifically unusual not unheard of but whatever and yet scene after scene after scene the issues and the conversations and the emotions and everything were all relatable. Yeah. Because she sort of literally is interpreting for the family and they rely on her to interact with others when they probably don't even really need to. It's almost out of somewhat out of fear and somewhat out of not sort of stepping up and, and taking the reins. And yet so many other people feel trapped in families in that same way. I yeah. mean, I just, I was so taken by that, that element all the way to the end. I mean, you mentioned you were crying at the end and eventually we'll discuss the uh, end. But... I said, I, I teared up. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Slow down. You're funny. Yeah. Um, I love the scene with the, the, her best friend and the brother in the bar where they're texting yeah, they're flirting and and sort of texting each other, but face to face. Yeah, I just I really really found that charming. Of course, it makes sense, and I think tons of young people probably do that anyway. Possible. I I certainly felt it a couple of times during this movie. Boy, I'm glad I'm not a young person today. <laughs> but uh, I, yes, that's. Possible. Um, but the sister had a great line in that scene where. Uh, he questions her working behind a bar because she's not 21, and she says, these guys can't count to 21. I love that line. I know. It's great, too, because the subtext there is, I'm old enough. Right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. That's true. She's already doing something that she's not supposed to under the age of 21. I feel, yeah, like, so there's... I, I feel like there isn't a wasted scene in this whole movie. You know, yeah. I feel like every scene has a point and you get it and it does it really well. I hate to say, I hate to say uh, 
economically, but I mean, there's not a whole lot of fat to trim off of this movie. It's it's right. it's pretty lean, and it and it delivers, and it manages to convey some significant emotional circumstances without going overboard to right. make and sure that you know it you get it from this one scene right and and, and there's uh, there's there's so much i think sort of emotional complexity throughout but it's done with such uh you know brevity like it doesn't load up on setting it up for you it just right it's just really naturally can we um, get to the spoilers can we can we get to the spoiler uh, section? Yeah, sure, okay. sure. Uh, so the scene where it's it she she didn't show up because she was having a day with Miles. Yeah, and then you know the whole thing with the thing happens on the boat, and then and then there's the conversation when she comes home, mm-hmm. and she's like, "You can't put this on me." Right. And it's so. First of all, she plays that so incredibly well. That scene, just the the. The level of upsetness, the, the 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 how close she gets to the precipice of losing it and doesn't, yeah. is just yeah. remarkable. But um, that's that's such a it's such an emotion. It's it's such a hard scene to watch in a way because it's like well, like usually you get that scene, and the character who says that is right, but in this case she's wrong. <laughs> like well, if you didn't tell them you were gonna be there it kind of is right your in the in the in the macro if i know how to do this in the very specificity of that moment it's correct she was a teenager she should have looped them in and let them know and she right. was wrong in the larger sense they rely on her in a way that's unfair to her and that they should have a backup plan that if she can't make it <coughs> all of a sudden yeah for one reason or another right yeah but uh no, I'll tell you, I, I teared up twice at the end. I mean, I suspect this is probably when everyone teared up at the end, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's after the recital. Mm-hmm. She's sitting with her dad, and he asks yeah. her to sing for him. Yeah. And he puts his hands on her throat. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a beautiful... You know... There were scenes and moments where, like, as it as it starts or as it happens, you're like, well, yeah, of course, that's how you would do this scene. And it still does it in a way that hooks you. You know, the, the scene where they're, where they're at the recital and they suddenly, they, they, they rack focus to mom and dad and mm-hmm. turn the sound down and you get... And the sound drops down. I was just about uh, to mention that. It, it's like, of course, of course, that's how you would do that scene. Perfect. Right. Absolutely. And and it just really hit home how they're not even sort of capable of they're they're looking around at others and taking their cue. The father, I mean, the father does make a journey in this movie because I think at the beginning he really is kind of on the side of she should just be staying around here if we need her help. He, he's not thinking of I, I, I think that, you know, the, the whole subject of her leaving home just never occurred to anybody. Right. Right. Not so much that he's thinking she should stay. It's just more like, you know, like like she said, you know, college was never an option. It just wasn't on anyone's radar that she might actually want to leave. Right. Um, and so I feel like in that scene, he's looking around and watching other hearing people react to her 
and realizing the impact she's having on them. Yeah. And he starts to turn a little bit of a corner there that eventually leads to that great scene that you're talking about where she sings for him. Uh, and it reminded me a little bit. It brought to mind, it's hard not to, be reminded a little bit of, oh gosh, I'm having a mental block. Who would have guessed? Riz Ahmed's movie, uh, Oh, um, Sound, Sound of, of Metal. Me- Sound of Metal, yeah. <laughs> Sound of Music, I love it. Which did that over the course of 90 minutes. As his hearing became more and more reduced, yeah. the sound would drop out and, and, and you'd be hearing as him. And that was very effective there. This was a similar technique, but... Uh, Condensed into I one scene? Owned, it, it's just one scene, and I think it owned itself. It, it, it did what it needed to do in that moment and, and to reveal those characters. Um, and then also it helps, it helps inform some of those... Uh, scenes that are that are coming up later. So that was then that that was when they were singing the duet that it went out. Right. But then she comes to do her actual audition uh, for to see uh, if she Berkeley. can get into right. the to the yeah the Berkeley um, music program. And there's just that <laughs> that great thing where the families aren't supposed to be part of it, but her. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> den of thieves they all are signing to each other and going let's go up in the balcony and no one's stopping us no well no what's great about it is like no one's noticing us it's like you know right. like they've been saying well, the whole movie you know like we're yeah. we're on the side no one considers us and they right. use it to their advantage and so they sneak up and then she can see them but the judges can't and she almost sort of starts singing to them but she starts singing and and then she starts signing, and I'm fucking, I've lost it. I mean, uh, I wasn't sobbing, but I was definitely, tears are, uh. are rolling down my cheeks. And not only that, you motherfucker, not only that, I was driving around in the car today thinking about it and started to cry. So it, it Well, you it got me really, there. Um, yeah, it really, uh, it really touched me, <clears throat> that part of it, as, as powerful as the scene with the father that follows when he wants to hear her sing. Is that, does that follow, or does that come before? No, no, no. Uh, that's before. That's before. Okay. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah, when yeah, she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can, and I also loved, like, I thought that the, the acting that those, I'm calling them judges, but they're the, you know, the board or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to call them, really. The admissions um, team. The admissions team, yes. Um, the acting that was being done there, particularly by the, the man in the middle, middle, I thought was terrific because... He's like, oh, geez. You know, you get the sense of like he's annoyed by her because she comes in and she's like, she's right. not dressed up. She doesn't have, didn't bring her music. music she's going right. to have to yeah, sing it right. a cappella. And then her her teacher comes in and he'll accompany. And so it's all sort of inappropriate and this isn't how we do it. Um, and so there's a lot she has to overcome by the time she does start singing. And then she falters. She's not, there's that great scene in the middle where he, it's almost like a therapy session where he's like, you have to get, let it out because she's keeping it all inside. And he's working with her and eventually she really belts it out and he's like, that's what, that's, that's what th- you need to do. Uh, hold but on. But she's not doing it. I beg yeah. to differ. I don't, th- oh, yeah. no. No, she, I don't think she flubs it. I think he just thought no. she could do better. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying okay. is that she was, she was keeping it in. She's starting her audition for the school, right. but she hasn't, she's not unleashing her inner, her, she's not letting them hear her voice, so he pretends to fuck up, right? So that then they're forced to start over, 
and and he doesn't it's not like a big look like an after school movie there to give an knowing look or they would have had a symbol that they right, used for each right, other right right you yeah. know he he signed something to yeah, her yeah none of that shit no they he just goes oh, we'll start again and he's like i'm sorry well, my <laughs> he's mistake. taking it on himself Let's start again. my mistake and but through the course of the song as she's singing and doing better and then she starts signing and then they realize she's delivering it to the balcony that that actor in the middle really did a nice a nice turn of re- sort of growing to accept her more yeah. as a representation of the, of the three, you know, you got the sense from his, the way he played that scene very subtly that, that she was probably going to get in. Although I don't know. Did you think there was a possibility she wouldn't? Well, unfortunately, no, I, I right. just because, yeah, no, I, I, I figured she was going to get in. Though I will give them credit for cutting to her and Miles on the boat after the audition. So that at first you think, oh, she didn't get in. But then you realize, oh, no, wait, that's just the summer waiting period, you know. Right. Well, they did something I really did like during her, during her, um, it was the Joni Mitchell song, right? That she did the audition with. Uh, that she did once we once we had seen her start singing and then she starts seeing the family in the balcony and then she starts signing to the balcony during the first say half of that song mm. we're in that room the second half of that song we are watching essentially flash forwards or hearing the mm. music as a yeah, yeah because we're seeing we're seeing images that she get, how she gets accepted and how she tells people and right. It, we see the aftermath of the scene while the audio is still playing from that scene. Yeah. And I liked that rather than having her finish, you know, that scene would have gone on way too long as she, if we watched her sing the whole song and then we would have had to go through these scenes where sound wasn't necessary. Right. Um, do you think she's teaching the boyfriend sign language because he's now going to be replacing her on the boat? No, absolutely not. Okay. Okay. No. I'm just. No. In fact, to be honest, uh, when that moment came up, my first thought mm-hmm. was, her brother and his girlfriend should be doing that. That's like the next logical step in in communicating their relationship because it, it goes from just right backroom sex to holding hands at a thing. <laughs> right. And right. then, so naturally, the next thing would be teaching sign because, like, yes, I want to be in your life. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And I would say, this might be sacrilegious, but as I was watching it, I thought, step aside, Joni Mitchell. I sort of feel like that girl owns that song now. Yeah, we won't really talk about that. We're going to let that... <laughs> just going to leave that one on the floor to okay. do whatever. Um, well, speaking of sacrilegious, uh, you know, unfortunately, yeah. this is a two-for-one episode. Yeah, you're right. And we do you're need right. to give uh, give the people what they paid for here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, their money's worth. I think it's safe to say, everybody, we loved Coda, and you will too. Go yep. see it. Now, we get to All right. feature and number you're two. Gonna, you're going to kick us off with this. I'm going to kick us off with this? Okay. You're going to kick us off. I had very, uh, as far as West Side Story goes, I had very mixed feelings because I felt that there were moments, flashes maybe of brilliance, but having read a little bit about it, 
and having been curious about how it was going to be handled with a modern sensibility, um, I was actually kind of disappointed that it didn't quite, it, it didn't seem to me like it went as far as everyone seems to think it did. But okay. um, I, I pretty much put all the blame for everything in this movie, not on Steven Spielberg, but on, hold it, hold it, hold it, <laughs> Ansel Elgort. <laughs> How the F did he land this role? He was awful. The worst Tony. The worst Tony. That's saying a lot. (laughs) So that's your your, uh, quick take. If I had to do a quick take for this, I would say it's everything you would expect a remake of a classic to be. It's, It's modernized in some ways. It gets some things a little wrong, but emotionally, it doesn't do anything for you that the original didn't do. And I know, and I know this is probably unfair because I'm comparing it to the original film, which I'll talk about in a minute. But you know, the original is a is a pretty heavy, pretty heavy classic. You know, like that. That's yeah. in like the Mount Rushmore of musicals. <laughs> So to even to just take it on is just sort of like, really? All right. What are you going to do with this story that hasn't been done? And right, I, didn't, right. I didn't really get much that hadn't been done better the first time. Okay. I'll tell you a little story about the circumstances under which I saw this. That may oh, be entertaining please. for viewers and it may, for listeners. It may also explain okay. where I'm coming from. So... <laughs> As, as you, Dr. D, know very well, and mm-hmm. p- perhaps some of our listeners also are aware, um, I'm probably the most anti-musical person that you can meet. Not that I don't love music. I don't love musicals. There are like right. three that I like, and everything else is, is torture, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> now, my wife loves musicals, loves finding your voice, loves, 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 loves all that stuff, okay? But she also grew up without a television, so she hasn't seen 90% of the classic movies that you and I have seen. So, right, yeah, right. she may see the trailer for West Side Story a few months ago, and she's like, ooh, I want to see it, you know, and okay, so we're getting closer to, to, to viewing time, and, and I, like, you know... <laughs> I, I don't even remember now the context, but I, I, I said to her, I was like, you've seen the original, right? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what'd you think of it? And she's like, and then she said the words, I didn't realize I dreaded until I heard them. Mm-hmm. She said, well, I've only ever seen it as a play. <sighs> so she's only ever seen like... <laughs> Some middle school production. Well, that's what I was going to say. If she'd seen the original play, then maybe maybe you'd be talking about something. So, uh, before we watched the movie, I put on the opening sequence of the original. Okay. Because if nothing else, the opening sequence of the original is what captures my heart. Having grown up in New York, there's something mm-hmm. that it captures that I can't 
almost I almost can't put into words, but it's like, you know, if you grew up with that movie somehow and yeah. you lived in New York, like it's it's in your blood kind of. Right. And right. I'm really glad mm. I did because one of the things I liked was the new version of the opening sequence in this movie. Mm-hmm. The reason I liked it is because when they filmed yeah. the original that opening sequence, they're dancing on a construction site at some point. That is the yeah. construction site of Lincoln Center. Right. And in this movie, they openly show you the sign, future home of Lincoln Center on these ruins. <laughs> it was like, beautiful. Right. Beautiful. Because right. not very many people would know that. So I like right. I like that. <clears throat> but that's, uh, that's funny because, okay, I can do my quick take. Quick. It's more going to be a quick quick take tease because your quick take was more of a long take. All right. I'm sorry. They usually um, are. All right. So my quick take goes like this, which is that I, too, am a native New Yorker. Um, uh, oh, there's a fucking plane going overhead. Don't start with me. Don't start with me. Wait a minute. We're, okay. We're going to now have to compare credentials. Is uh, all all I'm going to say is upstate New York. I was born when people in Manhattan. Say, oh, okay. I, I was, was born, born in Manhattan, Manhattan too. Manhattan. Okay, but doesn't that? I'm not. I'm not the one who was questioning your uh, New okay. York. Uh, okay. All uh, right. Sorry. Man. I was just Hey, man. Like you know, I'm just saying, like Austining Manhattan. No, 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 world's no, no, a difference. No, no. I was born in Manhattan and I was raised in Brooklyn, and I feel that I am a native New Yorker. Okay. I, I also you know like you moved around not. a lot as a kid. So I I'm did. Just, I'm giving you a little. This is what I say. A little trouble. This is what I say to people. I'll say it to you. I was born and raised in New York, but I spent time in the Midwest during my formative years, and I feel that my metronome was reset in the Midwest. I like the way you put that. I don't feel that my heart beats like at the speed of a New York heart. But there's no doubt that when I step onto the pavement, onto a sidewalk in Manhattan or any of the boroughs, that a charge goes through my soul that I don't feel anywhere else. I cannot apologize enough. I understand. (laughs) I understand. It's okay. Yeah. So it is a little complicated. All right. So my quick take slash tease goes like this. There's nothing quick about any of this. I am a a native New Yorker, and the city itself uh, sings to me whenever I am in it, and I miss its song whenever I am not in it, and I was very intrigued by the idea that they were going to remake this, and specifically that Steven Spielberg was going to remake it, because I thought there was a lot of promise in that. Yes. And uh, was looking forward very much to seeing it, despite the fact that I have next to no use for the original. <gasps> That's the beginning of my tease. Now we can proceed. Did they change my mind about West Side Story with this new version? <laughs> I've stunned you sort of broken your heart a little. <laughs> you 
He's got to hit the bottle. I do have to hit the bottle, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Mm. <clears throat> That's fantastic. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for finishing half of this. Um, <laughs> Put that out of reach, man. Put it out of reach. Okay. Well, um, are you a musicals guy? Seems to me yes, like I you am. are. <sighs> I am, but I am not. Uh, listen. All right. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, with various uh, Mexican restaurants out here. Um, out there? Out here or anywhere. Do you know Chipotle? I think that might be a national uh, yeah. brand at this point. Yeah. Okay. It's a chain. It's a chain, and it is fast food, but I don't consider it necessarily junk food. Whereas, whereas Taco Bell is junk food. And fast food. And fast food, yeah. And so, as opposed to the next up in the tier is like a local place that has authentic Mexican cuisine. And I would take Chipotle, but I was happy enough with, with um, Taco Bell. And so, that sort of gives you how I'm looking at musicals. I don't need the authentic Mexican cuisine of West Side Story. I'm happy with some of the ones from my childhood, which are much closer to Taco Bell or even Del Taco. I recognize that they are lower on the food chain. Wow. But uh, it's, it's one of the, yeah, I mean, we can, we can, I don't really want to, I don't want to. Now I'm embarrassed. Yeah, I really. I I have to say, I did not expect us to go sharks and jets on the original here. But uh, <laughs> oh, boy, did you did um, you, you sucker punched me there, buddy. <laughs> I was really hoping that whatever it was that your wife said, uh, that I'd be able to steal that and say it too. I almost said, I've only ever seen the play. Uh, yeah, well, I, am a, I, gotta I am a tell musical you. guy. Well, all right. Well, I got to tell you, musicals guy yeah. or not, lover of the original or not, Richard Beamer, who plays Tony in the original film, at the yeah. very least, conveys so much more emotion than this guy. I mean, you watch <laughs> the original, it's like, yeah, you may not like him, but he's singing like a guy in love, as opposed to... Stone face over here. Yeah. Right. Well, what's funny is that I always felt like the actor from the original was a brick, that they might as well have cast a brick. First of all, there's not any ethnicity in him at all. He is a white guy. Uh, As is his character, we'll point out. Well, but you know what I mean. Look, Ah, now you're being... What? Tony's a white guy. Well, no, I'm a white guy. Tony's is is an Italian, isn't he? Aren't they supposed to essentially be Italian or Polish? Polish. They're supposed to be. They're supposed to be sort of an ethnic minority. Not a. He had no ethnicity to him. Let me put it that way. He was a white guy with no ethnicity to him. And she was not remotely. She didn't have any ethnicity. The original is plagued by classic Hollywood casting choices i'll give you that sure so in any case uh i i was never happy with the acting from the original pretty much from anybody but uh we don't need to focus too much on it talk a little bit about the original in the way that you wanted to when we came into this because that's going to be better than me than me carping about it well for the for the purposes of this you know conversation 
Well, I was definitely aware of the updates to this version, mm-hmm. which uh, I gather they the intention was to make it closer to the book, not the book that it was based on, because it's not technically based on a book, but on the, right. the book of the play. Right, um, right. And uh, granted, I've never seen any any production close to the original, so I don't, you know, whatever that experience was like in 1958 or whenever it was, right, going right, to right. the theater and seeing this and, you know, having that much race thrust on you, I, I certainly can't say. You know, it, it was very obvious here that the, the, that, that the jets were not of one uniform color, which is great. I love that they didn't right. subtitle the Spanish. That was great. Yeah. But I kind of felt like that's pr- like that's about as far as they took any updating of the material, which I wouldn't have gone into this. I take it back. I would have gone into it looking for it. But I, having also read about it in advance, mm-hmm. I kind of expected a little more. Now, that said... I have not read the book of the original play. So for right. all I know, I mean, like I had a list of things where I was like, what, Tony Kushner came up with this? That's all. That's the best he could do. But for all I know, it's in the original book. So I'm right. not bringing right, any right, of those right. examples up. Uh, that's that's uh, I, I certainly think that's fair. Um, so let's just kind of streamline it a little bit um, based on somebody who has considerable respect for the original film okay despite some quibbles here and there it's not a perfect film i gave you that yeah right and it's sort of mount rushmore of of broadway musical status as you suggested earlier um given that do you feel this is a letdown or do you feel it justifies its own existence if it's going to draw a new generation to the story and maybe lead them back to the to the original or to the source material? You know, I, I I don't know that I would really want to weigh in on whether or not it's successful in roping in a younger generation and enchanting okay. them like the original has for some of us. Again, that's because I, I just, I keep circling back to Ansel Elgort and I'm like, well, there's <laughs> no, nothing enchanting <clears throat> there. So, you know, I, I don't right. know any generation's going to warm up to him. <laughs> I <laughs> well, he's probably popular with young girls, um, not with cranky old men. Do you feel it, it justifies its own existence? I mean, I'm just trying to get down to the core of it for you. No. No, I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't think it brought enough... Look, like it or not, Hamilton has redefined musicals to some extent. Mm-hmm. And in a way, I feel like In the Heights sort of upstages this movie a little bit in terms of conveying the experience of non-native-born Americans. Right, right. Um, okay, so I had teased my quick take was a quick take tease, which was, did this kind of win me over? But um, you were never, my feelings oh, but you were never won over to begin. So you didn't like the movie, but did you like the music? Have you ever liked the musical? Well, 
what I'm saying is is that the the original uh, movie, the book and music, largely left me cold. Hmm. And and this was gonna this was a chance for a new interpretation of it, although you're limited because you it's still the same music. It's gonna be the same music. It's gonna be the same songs. It's gonna be almost all the same words. But would they find a way yeah. to break through and make me go? I get it now. Did that? Did that happen? That did not happen. I'm not surprised. Um, right, based on on what you what you're saying there, but but I think maybe I don't. I, I say I'm a musical guy, but maybe I'm not really a musical guy. No, you're a musical guy. For example, huh? No, no, you're a musical guy. <laughs> for example, I have seen both a live traveling version of and the televised, uh, probably on Disney Plus or something, of Hamilton. And I did not like it. I do not like Green Eggs and Ham. I do not like it Sam Ham. I just didn't, I didn't get what the fuss was. So I do understand that it's very different. And I, when you say it's changed the landscape and there's been a new, you know, a new meter has been, I, I get why you say that. But I'm just wondering about my own bona fides. That's the word I was trying to think of before, bona fides. But it's funny that you should mention, okay, so I should just say that coming into this today is that I saw this in a theater close to its opening or whenever it was that it actually originally opened. A full was theater? Enough... What? Was it a full theater or was it like a matinee was, with two or three people? It was pandemic full. It oh, was at okay. a time when they were, so there was, you know, if it was a 500 seat auditorium, there were 75 or 100 people. In wow. It. Okay. And so this was some time ago. And so as I was preparing for the show, I started going back in my mind to go, but what are what were the scenes that you liked or the moments that you could pull out and go, look at this, this is something that you know stayed with me and so on and so forth. And the only thing I could come up with, I realized, was a scene from In the Heights. <laughs> and I went, ah, that's that says everything it needs to say, is that I saw In the Heights even longer ago and having just said what I think about uh, Hamilton will indicate that I'm not a huge fan of I'm, I'm a fan of what Lin-Manuel Miranda has accomplished. I'm not I don't enjoy his so work, far the work itself. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, you know, just the fact that you did you saw a roadshow version pretty much already in my eyes puts you in the category of musical lover. Right. Because I avoid movie musicals. I really fucking avoid <laughs> like an actual on-stage production. Oh like, wow! Okay. Yeah, no. Well, okay, that's that's fair. So using that metric, like there was camera work. The scene I'm thinking of in in the Heights is the one where the lovers dance on the side of the building. Yeah, where you know that part of my brain watching that scene, part of my brain thought, did they actually do this somehow in a theater? With the with a set that turned, or like I was trying to figure right, out if it could right, be done right, practically, right, right. or if it could only be done in the movie, and it, my guess is it's only in the movie, and it's and it's quite amazing for that and memorable. And I just thought it was, and then following that line of thinking, it was just sort of sad to me that, with all of his skill and everything that would be at his disposal, yep. that Spielberg wasn't able to come up with a visual approach to, to that open it up beyond. in a way. Right. Yeah. And that, that that's a, that, that's a fantastic example that you brought up because 
that is that's a moment you can't replicate on the stage not easily at least right. not as, certainly right. not as seamlessly as they did in the film and this did nothing to open it up right i think that some of the i think some of the mu- the music largely i find i have little or no qualms with i find lyrically some of the songs engage me a lot more than others there are too few that I get excited about, too few of the songs uh, engage me. Uh, but one of the ones I do like, Officer Krupke. I love that song. I cannot get enough of Krupke. And one thing I was very excited about seeing was because I believe that in the original stage version, the song ends... Fuck you. The, the, fuck you. G. Officer Krupke, fuck you, are the last lines of that song. And... And so in the in the in the original film, they change it to Krupp Krupp you, you, which is fine because you know what they're talking about. And, and I always assumed it. that that's what it was. Yeah, that it's. Oh, I see. You took the further step and went. Oh, that's really supposed to be not. In any case, I, even as a little kid, I assumed. Oh, they couldn't say fuck, so they made it Krupp. Same gotcha. difference. Um, but not that your little kid head thought. On the stage, it must have been fuck. No, absolutely not. No, right. you, I, you I was thinking that, that at that point, this is pre-Hair, pre-O-Calcutta, that the stage right. was still a pretty conservative as far as yeah. what was permissible. Sacred kind of place. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the only m- metrics that I was going to judge this by was, if they say fuck you, I'll be so happy. <laughs> and I don't see how they could because it's Spielberg and it's, it's so family-oriented. and. And, and it's a Disney movie, and I just went, oh, well, that's... So that's... Uh, they did not they did not save it for me. Um, and I didn't even like the way they staged Krupke. The no, actually, it's... No, actually, it's funny you say that, because that was the... That was the one number where I felt like, wow, the original's choreography is so much better. The way they're <laughs> acting out, that's... It's like you get what the song is... You get what they're doing like the mini characters that they're playing in the song yeah yeah. you get it in the original and you don't get it here and here's the thing is it sort of feels like i don't know i think it's hard doing movie musicals in in some ways because when somebody is on stage you know and they shine the way they shine it's really hard to replicate it's really hard to capture that on film um, and I sort of feel like I was watching a lot of Disney show alumni that yeah. they're good at singing and they're good at dancing and they understand how to do this is a musical with the jazz hands or whatever it is. Right. But that they were kind of all as empty in a way as all due respect to speaking of Mount Rushmore. Um, they were about as it was empty calories in their performances as much as it was empty calories in his directing. Well, you know, maybe it's a soft spot that I have for Spielberg but I don't feel entirely like I think the thing is that I find Spielberg to be such a a master of what I call filmic choreography the Mm -hmm. movement of the camera in relation to the actors and the visual metaphors that he's able to convey if you think about it he's really the last link to old Hollywood. He interacted with old Hollywood people. Mm. He worked with old Hollywood people. He gets 
the what what what's called the language of film that used to preside over old Hollywood movies that certain shots, certain camera movements, certain cuts, they have meaning. It's not just a visceral experience of something flashed on the screen at you. And that comes through a lot here. There's a, there's a absolutely fantastic shot that they show in the, in the trailer where the, the two gangs are getting together for the rumble. And we get this overhead shot of the shadows crossing each other Mm -hmm. like fingers it's in like, the salt, in the like the salt warehouse or something. Yeah, yeah. Like that's just that's masterful. There was another example I was going to use, but then I found out that it was actually not Spielberg's idea, but the cinematographer's, Genus Kaminsky's, which is mm-hmm. uh, it's a shot of Tony during I think it's Maria, where he steps in a puddle on the street. I remember that shot. And yeah. it's sort of overhead, and his the whole background behind him is just rippling water bouncing off right. the light. And again, it's just beautiful. It's just beyond beautiful. But so for all this, that uh, all, all, all the all the 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 credits I want to throw Spielberg. I also feel like he may have lost the way in terms of delivering a whole film, because I don't think that since maybe Schindler's List, maybe Jurassic Park. I don't think he's 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 delivered a whole film in the same way that he mm. used to with movies like Jaws and Close Encounters right. and Raiders of the Lost Ark, where you came out of it and you felt like you had a complete experience of going to the movies yeah. and that's being great, involved that's with the characters and everything that that connotates. And it hasn't even when he's done interesting work like I like probably the only person on the planet who thinks Munich is a really good movie, but. <laughs> You know, the whole package, by the time you're done with it, you're like, okay, already. You don't, mm-hmm. you're, you're not as excited coming out of it as you were going into it. As you were going in. Oh, wow. That's a great, uh, that's a great line. I like that. Um, it's like sex with me. Oh. <laughs> Clearly, this is not a Disney podcast. <laughs> no. Uh, not safe for work. So, I don't know. I feel like for people like me, the cynics, who say, why remake a classic? The original's good enough the way it is. It's obviously indelible because it's 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 lasted this long and been still popular and in the consciousness of everybody. Right, right. So why fuck with it? Do you really need to remake it? Okay, well then do something really different with it. Well, I feel like they didn't do anything really different with it uh, here I agree. except casting a really worse Tony. <laughs> Well, the casting itself was much more uh, aware of its own diversity. Yes, and that's fantastic. You know what? I was going to touch on something here. We may be going on a little bit too long, but I was recently recently heard that um, uh, Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster Mm. are doing a revival of Music Man on Broadway. Mm. It's it's there now, and and I have a soft spot in my heart for that as a film. There are some songs I absolutely hate. There are some songs I absolutely love. And there are some songs I like, but I just don't like how they did it or whatever. And Robert Preston, you know, lives in my heart. And particularly Trouble, you know, does too. That's the, the, that's the meter that I judge other versions of Music Man by, is that one. And that would describe my relationship with West Side Story, if I ever saw a stage production of it, which I won't. Right. Even if so, my kid is in it. 
I sought out clips and found them online. And this is just somebody in the audience holding an iPhone or something, whatever it is, at Music Man. Uh-huh. And I just watched it, and it just, uh, with Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster uh, doing uh, Trouble, I think. I watched a couple of them. And it just left me, it just left me flat. And I understand that in, in theater, there's a much more of a tradition of reviving, but also the whole idea of road shows. That's, you know, you send it all across the country. It's not the fucking Broadway cast that does that. Right. So within the th- within the theater itself, remaking something and redoing something with a new cast and a new whatever, even if... That's a more accepted tradition. And so specifically with this one, I say, yes, okay. I give it a pass on on remaking it, but I do say you need to bring me something that makes me go. This is new. This is different. It was worth the trip. And, and right, because on the stage, it, it usually just boils down to the cast. Right. Maybe the set design, but that's about it. As it far as to. I know, when they when when revivals happen, you correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I know, the the musical arrangements don't vary oh, all that much. The choreography, they're contracted to do the choreography. To a do certain the, way. Uh, yeah, to do, to do the music, you know. Why bother? There's not a lot of leeway. Why bother? Well, because there's so much money to be made by sending out no, the I road know show. No, I know that. I'm just saying, like, you know. Right. And, and, I, and I would be curious to know how locked in were they here when they made this. Now, I remember, uh, you know, I'm in a theater and it's it's... It's visually a very stimulating thing. They've got the dresses and the suits and the everyone is beautiful and sexy and the camera's moving and doing all this stuff. And I do remember sitting there thinking, well, they're going to they're going to be nominated for a lot of Oscars here. There's a lot of areas where they have done, you know, top of the line craft. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever it's going to end up being in terms of nominations. And it can't hurt their chances that Stephen Sondheim passed away. And so I feel like at least with that part of it, I'm right. We'll get into another, in another episode, we'll talk about what we think will happen. But uh, what, are, what are you thinking? You're, you're, well, pulling a, you're you doing know, a lot it, of mugging it, there. Well, it's funny you say that because uh, that this, is another, yeah. this was another complaint I had about this movie. Was um, <laughs> Good. I accidentally unearthed another complaint. Uh, I kind of feel like... Uh, some some aspect of the visuals went a little overboard for me. I don't know if it was the set design or it was the lighting, but I felt like someone made sure that in every single scene, every single scene, you see those bricks. <laughs> the bricks are like a character in this movie. They are so... Prominent, that just the right amount of dampness and the lights hitting it in such a way, it's just like you can fucking count them in every shot. It's just like, all right, with the bricks. <laughs> I don't know. The grounds of Lincoln Center, to me at least, looked a lot more like post World War II Reconstruction Europe mm. than anything in yeah. Manhattan. Right. My God, these are like bombed out buildings with the. <laughs> I know. Oh, and another thing that irked me as an as a native yes. New Yorker. So there are shots. There are shots on the street where you've got a clear view down that street for blocks and blocks yeah. and blocks and blocks. Right. Yeah, my goodness. 
how how haze free Manhattan must have been in those days because man you look down those backgrounds it's about as clear as like India was during COVID suddenly it was like a screen was lifted you see every color and detail I'm like I hate to tell you summer in Manhattan is muggy <laughs> Like no native, no native New Yorker made this movie, <laughs> right? Oh, well, if yeah, if it, I guess if it's going to be a fantasy, it's going to be a fantasy all the way. Well, my my last take on it then is is just you know if you didn't like the original, uh, don't go. And if I you like the original, take, don't go. <laughs> don't go. So I think exactly. I think we can move on uh, to uh, our last piece uh we're going to shine a spotlight piece of business yeah uh on yet another uh best picture nominee a little something called king richard mm. and um i think i saw this in the theater as well it's hard to recall now but that'd be pretty easy to check because i'm sure the box office receipts for that movie were so low <laughs> Yes, the the box office receipts were near love. Oh, there you go. Uh, there's no time for quick takes and final takes here. It's really just a quick kind of a, a you look at it. I mean, you we've... tell me if I should see that movie. <laughs> that's what that's what half the listeners here are basically listening to us for. Is like, do I bother with this movie? Well, I mean, I, I certainly am not going to make any spoilers. This, it's a biopic, so it's automatically already spoiled. And it, it makes sense to me that if you're going to have a biopic like this, one of the ways to get around some of the curses of it is what they've done here, which is to focus as much, if not more, on the father of Serena and Venus William, <clears throat> Richard Williams, sorry, Serena Venus Williams, so that it's it's not just about then this happened with the you know girls and then this happened with the girls we're looking at how as a family they um came together to to forge the path that those two athletes went down when it's not like the world was rolling out a red carpet for them they had to fight all the way mm. through uh will smith gives a a mature and layered um, portrayal of this man. I would stop short of calling it complex. I don't feel like um, we maybe saw enough kind of darkness or doubt or clouds in him. He seemed to be, I'm determined to make this happen and I'm going to keep pushing until it happens. And so there weren't a lot of different flavors, but it, he did not rely on a single trick or tick or whatever hmm. that he has used in his life and his career to get to this point. And so I understand and sort of acknowledge the, his being nominated in that regard as a best picture film. Well, just for me, I wasn't affected on an emotional level in any real way here. Yeah. I thought that the acting from the young women in it, the acting across the board was fine, but particularly you want to see that family. I mean, that's, that's an interesting 
to come to sort of compare it back to Coda now, where that that four person family was such a great unit. Hmm. We have another great four person unit here too, and the scenes with them together living family life are very engaging and and very sweet and very compelling, but not necessarily dramatic in that way. Moving in a in a way that's that you're going to take something from it into your right, life. Me as an old white guy, it, it could be inspirational to somebody who hasn't seen themselves represented on the big screen. And I definitely think it, you know, I, you and I spent half an hour arguing whether or not this remake of West Side the Story kind of deserves to exist. Did it justify its own existence, West Side Story? And I definitely feel like this is a story that deserves to exist. I mean, I'm, I'm hmm. glad it's out there and, and made. There would be no debate in my mind on that. And that it would be, would almost certainly likely be much more interesting to, to many other people other than me. I thought it was well done all the way across. Hmm. And I certainly didn't know a lot about that family or anything so that I wasn't haunted by some of that stuff where you know what's coming when you're watching right. it. Uh, so I would say, I would say if the, if if we were still at only five best pictures, this might not have made the cut. Mm. But it's comfortable as a six through ten. Yeah, it's it's comfortable being there. So I'm sorry if my goal was to try to talk you into seeing it. That was not something I was gonna do. But <laughs> no, that's fine. No, that's you know. um, and and I think it has you know. Well, we'll talk more about its sort of quote-unquote Oscar chances when we do our... Uh... The big show. <laughs> the big show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank you for joining us. It truly wouldn't be the same without you. Especially for, now... for sticking it out this long. <laughs> for now and until next time, the doctors are out. If all she made was this noise, my life would be a lot better. <laughs> Hollywood RX is a proud member of the Forwardly Podcasting Network.